0: Welcome to the All Saints Community Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community of worship and formation on Mission with Jesus. We are committed to being rooted in the scriptures and the historic Christian faith and to kingdom life in the power of the Holy Spirit. As you listen, may you be encouraged and empowered to know the Lord Jesus and make Him known. For more information on who we are, visit allsaintsokc.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at ASCCOKC. All right, if you want to grab your Bible or a pew Bible there that we have, we've got the New Revised Standard, we've got the NIV there. Today we're going to be looking at Jesus is the one who brings deliverance. I want to welcome everybody to all saints, we're a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. Also wanna put, can we put the connect card up there real quick? If you are visiting, thank you for taking time to come and visit our church. We love this church, we're glad, we're glad that you're here. If you wanna learn more about the church, you wanna receive the weekly email updates, events, things like that, you can look right up here on the screen text CONNECT to that phone number there. We would love to have you join this local church, this army here, an army of the Lord, army of love. Wanted to uh, remind you that tonight at 6.30 in the Fellowship Hall, which is right out here to my left, Fellowship Hall, 6.30 to 8 o'clock, we're doing part two of our prophecy workshop We're looking at the gift of prophecy and how it functions in the local church, and tonight we're going to dig deep into 1 Corinthians 14, which is a a guide on what prophecy looks like in the local church. It's going to be good, very interactive. We'll do some practical activation things as well. So Lord, we thank you for your presence with us today, and we welcome the fullness of who you are. We welcome your goodness, your holiness, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that through your word, you teach us and you transform us even now. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. If you remember last week, we looked with all that's been going on the last six weeks, God visiting us, God stirring and moving, saving people, transforming Rescuing, delivering. We looked into the scriptures to get guidance and wisdom, and we looked at our mission statement, which comes out of the scriptures so that we're biblical and missional people. I wanted to say this before we look at deliverance today. The Lord is, is growing us, He's growing every facet of the church, and it's His work, His work alone. And so I want us to think in terms of multiplication, right? The kingdom multiplies. And the kingdom comes and brings the multiplication of disciples and eventually the multiplication of churches. We want to plant more churches in the coming days. And we learn how to do that by multiplying groups. The Lord teaches and trains church planters. So I want us to think in terms of multiplication. Not dividing, not separating, but multiplying. Can we say that in the Lord's presence? Multiplication. Multiplication. That is what we're after. And the Lord's going to grow us in some ways and mature us so that multiplication, even if it's difficult and challenging and it's new, it is a good thing. Healthy organisms multiply and they grow. Amen? So today, we're going to look at deliverance. Jesus brings deliverance. We're going to look at a few biblical foundations on the deliverance ministry of Jesus, which happened in the first century, and it's continued for 2,000 years, and it continues today. We're going to look at biblical foundations, and then next week, we're going to look at some of the practical aspects of deliverance ministry. In view of those foundations and the scriptures and view of Jesus' model, how do we As the church, as those anointed with the Holy Spirit, how do we walk in the power and authority of Jesus to bring deliverance to other people? So the first thing we're going to look at here is all authority and power over Satan and demons belongs to Jesus. And friends, this is the power of the word of God. We read these things, we look at them briefly, and it's a testimony. It's a declaration that this church is going to follow Jesus in all of his authority over Satan and demons. Friends, this is the starting point. This is where it all starts. There is no deliverance or deliverance ministry without the presence and power of the crucified, resurrected, ascended Jesus. There is no deliverance. You can go get Band-Aids or go get some therapy, psychoanalysis, but there is no deliverance without the the blood of Jesus coming into play. There was a parish priest at Oxford named Michael Green. I've been reading his book, and it's I Believe in Satan's Downfall. It's such a glorious book. And listen to what he says about the deliverance ministry of Jesus. Like his healings, Jesus's exorcisms were an acted Christology. I'm gonna explain that. They challenged people to who Christ was and what their response to Christ would be. What Michael Green is saying there is when the king manifests his kingly nature, demons get ousted. People get set free. Jesus drives demons out of people in the first century and he hasn't Stopped. Let's look at Mark 1, 21 to 28. This is a passage we've referenced recently. Just want to show you briefly in the scriptures. Jesus has all authority over the, our spiritual enemy, Satan, and over all demons. Mark 1, 21 to 28. Jesus here is beginning his ministry. He's proclaiming the kingdom of God. Coming near. He's calling people to repent, to believe in the good news. And people are stunned because Jesus isn't just full of words like the priests and other leaders. He actually has authority. When he speaks, things happen. Look at verse 21 of Mark 1. So they, that's Jesus and his disciples, they went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and he taught They were astounded at his teaching for Jesus taught them as one having, what's your Bible say there? Authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue, a man with an unclean spirit. He showed up at church and he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed. And they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits And they obey him. Look at what happens, verse 28. What does deliverance ministry do then and now? Look at verse 28. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. So friends, Jesus alone has all authority and power. Satan and the whole kingdom of darkness is under his feet. He rules, he reigns. He has conquered, and look what happens. When people get set free, the fame of the Lord spreads. Marco's story. We've got other stories. We didn't even get to the one at Laguna Beach when John recently shared the gospel with a guy in a restaurant, a bar. The next morning, met with him, led him to Jesus, said, brother, there's some water right over here, Laguna Beach, packed with people. He said, how about getting baptized? He got baptized, demons are coming out of him while he's baptizing him. He's yelling and shrieking right there on Laguna Beach, getting set free. He thought he was going to a restaurant and a bar and he had a moment with Jesus. And then he got filled with the Holy Spirit, out with the old, in with the new. And so that you think that brother Sam in Laguna Beach is not out spreading his story, you bet. His life got rearranged. John the Baptist entered his life here. So friends, Jesus has all authority. I've really wrestled with this, but I'm gonna share it. I've shared it with some of you privately, and I want to share a deliverance story that happened right here with me. Is that okay? And I know in sharing this, there can be questions raised, but the Lord can sort that out. I've already had another testimony, right? You know, after Amanda and I moved back, and for those of you who are are, are new here, seven years ago, Amanda and I moved back and we had a long stretch of a spiritual desert. It was rugged, it was difficult. And in 2016, moving back from our time in the spiritual desert, I was in a dream. I was asleep in 2016, and in my dream, it was very vivid some sweet Christian people prayed for me. And in the dream, a demon began to manifest and was cast out in the dream. And I woke up and God's powerful presence was on me, coursing through my body. And I just, I felt God's presence, his love, his goodness, his kindness. I woke up praising him. And frankly, I woke up under the fear of the Lord, knowing how awesome and holy and powerful he is. And friends, I noticed immediate relief from things that had been plaguing me those seven years in the desert, immediate relief. And then there was fruit, immediate fruit. I shared with you that I was drinking too much in the desert. I was medicating the pain and the Lord, boom, broke that. I also have shared, there, I picked up some gnarly stuff in the college context. I had to read and teach things that were very difficult. And it was what we call deconstructive things, you know? And these are people that were writing, especially a couple hundred years ago, that wrote literally to deconstruct and challenge the Christian faith. And I had to teach it in the science of religion. And it affected me, like handling nuclear material And friends, the Lord broke it, drove it. Now, some of you will say, can a Christian have a demon? And my short answer is, if they want one. That's hefty. And you know, I'm hardcore about the Bible and the scriptures and being biblical. And I know that that is a thorny topic that I'm raising And I'm gonna explain it a little bit today, but I'm gonna explain it more in the future. But friends, I have to testify. The Lord, I think he performed surgery on me. Why, I was saying, why was I asleep? And he's like, I had you laid out, you're asleep. I'm going to work in you in ways that I couldn't if you were conscious. And then he woke me up. I was set free. I can't explain it fully, but I'm gonna testify that the Lord broke something. And I've been going back and forth. Do I share that? It opens up a theological can of worms. But friends, if Christians open the door to the influence of evil spirits, then the enemy can get a foothold. Look it up. Ephesians 4.27. Paul says that. He's talking to Christians at the church of Ephesus. Ephesus and he says, if you are living in unrepentant, willful sin, the enemy can get a foothold. And that word literally means a place. Now let me me explain here. If you are a Christian, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6 and other places, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your primary resident. The Lord Jesus sits on the throne of your heart. But if we live in willful, unrepentant sin, we can have squatters in that temple. So, our eyes are on the Lord Jesus. He's the deliverer, He has all authority. I'm not wanting to induce fear. What I'm wanting to induce is house cleaning. Marco already preached my message. And we can talk about it and debate it, argue it out. But what do I do with what was happening in my life? I had a squatter in there. And was it in me or a barnacle on me and all that? You know, I don't know. All I know is Jesus set me free. And I'm going to say it. And then there's lots of folks outside the church that have barnacles and squatters and however you wanna put it theologically and Jesus wants to set them free. And if we are muzzled up, then it's not gonna happen. So again, I'll share more on that and we can have discourse and argue it out, but we've got two testimonies this morning from people who love Jesus, who are baptized, who are filled with the Holy Spirit and the Lord's doing house cleaning. I know we've got youth and young people in here, but this is the reality of the world we live in, right? This is not shocking. I think five and six-year-olds know that there's evil in the world. And friends, if you're young, do we have anything to fear? Answer me. Young people, do we have anything to fear? Some of you are going, I don't know. You have nothing to fear. If you are bought with the blood of Christ, you are baptized, you're in his church, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there's no fear. No fear at all. We're the most fearless people on the planet, but do we need to do house cleaning? Yeah, we do. Because we live in a fallen world, right? So even as blood-bought, spirit-filled people who live under the cross of Christ, we need to be sober and vigilant, amen? just looking things over here is that all right i'm gonna skip over something you can write this down look at it later but it reiterates matthew 28 16 to 20 we even looked at it last week it's the great commission isn't it and it all starts with the authority that jesus has the great commission does not begin with hey go make disciples baptize them teach them to obey all of Christ. It begins with the authority of Jesus. He is given all authority in heaven and on earth, and that is the fountain of the Great Commission, is the authority of Jesus. Let's look at a second thing here. Jesus shares his authority and power with his followers. Let that sink in for a minute. The Lord Jesus shares his authority and power with us. Look at Mark 3, 7 to 11. Mark 3, seven to 11. Jesus in this passage with his disciples, he's been ministering in Judea and Jerusalem around the Jordan, even into Tyre and Sidon. People are flocking to Jesus and pressing in to even touch him. He's been healing the sick and casting out demons. And verse 11 says, whenever the unclean spirits saw Jesus, they fell down before him and shouted, you are the son of God. Now look at the next passage though. I'm gonna just, let's focus on 13 through 15. So Jesus has been doing his deliverance ministry. His fame is spreading. People are pressing in to touch him because they're sick. They know that they're demonized. They're oppressed by demons. And look what he does. Verse 13, Jesus goes up, the mountain and called to him those he wanted and they came to him and he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles catch this to be with him and to be sent out to proclaim the message and to have authority to cast out demons do you see it here you see the order what's the order church He's modeling his deliverance ministry in verses seven through 11. He calls his disciples. He sends them out as apostles, their sent ones. But what's the order here? What is the first thing that he's appointed them to do? Be with him, to be with him. Where does deliverance ministry start for his disciples? Being with the Lord Jesus. That is where apostolic power flows. Be with him. Sometimes we get the order reversed. I'm going to do his work. I'm going to cast demons out. I'm gonna pray for the sick. I'm gonna get busy. And then we get burned out. This is the secret right here. Jesus appoints his disciples. He appoints you and me, chooses us to be with him, to spend time with him, to sit at his feet, to learn from him. And then he sends us out with authority. Says it right there in verse 15, doesn't it? To cast out demons. Look at Luke 10. We're gonna rifle through this real quick here and then I think I'm gonna put a pin in it and we'll come back to it next week. Luke 10, 17 to 20. Again, I'm just showing you Jesus has all authority. Secondly, he shares his authority and power with his followers in the first century all the way to today. Friends, do you realize that? If you are a follower of Jesus, you're united with Jesus through faith, he shares his authority and power with you. He fills you with his spirit. You are anointed to be an agent of deliverance. You say, I'm a month old in the Lord. You are an agent of deliverance. From day one, filled with the Holy Spirit because it's his name, right? That's what we're banking on. That's what the demons fear is not you, not your holiness, not your goodness, your righteousness, the name of Jesus. And friends, the church carries the name of Jesus. We are Christ bearers, We looked at it last week, Christ being formed in each one of us and Christ's life and power and deliverance ministry flowing through us. This is the greatest news in the whole world, isn't it? Did you know he gives you authority and power while you're in process? You can be a wreck. You can say, Brock, you have no idea what my week is like. I would say, we have no idea what my week was like. I'm in process. Some days I'm a mess but I am an agent of his delivering power. That's the good news, the grace of God. Look at this, Luke 10, 17 to 20. So he's got his 12 disciples, but now it it expands. His deliverance ministry is growing. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. Friends, this didn't happen in the Old Testament. This is a New Testament, new covenant reality here. He said to them, verse 18, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing will hurt you. That's a first century image there. You're gonna tread on, you're gonna stand on scary stuff and squish it under your feet. That is what Jesus is saying there. Verse 20, Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the Spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. It is the name of Jesus that drives demons out of people. It is the authority of Jesus that he shares with us. And it's glorious. I'm gonna end with this. Then we're gonna have communion Here at All Saints, part of baptism involves deliverance. Think about it. The last time that we did this, we've been doing it in over the past couple of years, based on the practices of the early church, we include in our baptisms the public confession of faith, which is what we were doing. The Apostles' Creed, as Caden says, is fire. Fire. That is fire, it's not something old and dry, that is our faith. That's what we live and die for. So we have people that are getting baptized, declare their faith in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And as a person declares their faith, do you remember what else we've added to that based on the practices of the early church? Do you remember what we do? We have people renounce Satan, his kingdom and all his works you know what is happening in that moment? Public profession of faith, united to Jesus through faith, integrated into his church, and deliverance begins right there in their baptism. Game on, battle on. They enter the water of baptism, united with the crucified, resurrected Lord Jesus, and the announcement is made in the spiritual realm. This person belongs to Jesus. This person is being transferred from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of God's beloved son, it's game over. And so friends, we live out what happens in baptism for the rest of our lives. Deliverance starts there. And yes, some of that is symbolic, but some of it is literal, as I just shared with John's story of baptizing Sam, dunked him in the water, demons are coming out of him. He's being transferred into the kingdom of God. He's filled with the Holy Spirit and that brother will walk out his deliverance the rest of his life. We're gonna talk about the instantaneous nature of deliverance and we're gonna talk about it being stages. Friends, let this sink in, okay? If you're hearing anything that I'm saying, deliverance is not unusual or abnormal. It is normal, ordinary Christianity. To be united with Christ, baptized, filled with his spirit, and then to walk out, to live out your deliverance until the day you die. It's not unusual, it's normal. You will battle sin, you will battle evil influences in your life through the power and the authority of Jesus and he will set you free over the years and decades. Amen, why don't we stand? I'm going to ask the communion servers to come forward here. And if it's okay, can you give us a few extra minutes today? We're going to celebrate the Lord's table. And what happens here has many, many different dimensions and facets to it. The body and blood of Christ. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 11 Beginning at verse 23, while they're preparing the elements, and I want you to just focus on the Lord Jesus, the great deliverer. Listen to what Paul says. For I receive from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is for you. for your broken body. We thank you for your shed blood. We thank you that it brings deliverance and transformation to us all our days. We want to come and meet with you and encounter you through your body, through your blood. Jesus, there's no one like you. Thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. Amen. You can make your way up here, and we are going to just continue to linger in the Lord's presence. After we do this, I'm going to come back up.